Hey guys, we've got a big one for you today. Mm -hmm. This is episode number 414 of the Golf Podcast, and we've got Rick Shields coming on the show, who we've had Rick on the show before. Mm -hmm. We had him briefly when we went out to golf, uh, YouTube Golf Day in 2019. Right. Uh, and, and Rick was a man who was pulled in many directions then running. That was quite a big undertaking, that event. And I still think it's incredible what he did. And I, I want to ask him if YouTube Golf Day is coming back, because yeah. I know that's on the tip of a lot of people's tongues, that question. But we got a brief chance to sit down with him. We talked about YouTube Golf Day and how that came together. But today we're going to do something different. We're going we're gonna to dive deep. Yeah, we want to find out, you know, Rick has, ha has reached an incredible accomplishment. Recently, 2 million YouTube subscribers. It makes his, his channel the biggest golf YouTube channel in he's the world. He's the godfather of golf YouTube. He really That's is. What I'm and, deeming him today. And I think it's amazing what he's done for YouTube, golf YouTube, mm -hmm. how he's helped out many others, ourselves included. Yep. Um, and I think it's great for the game. And there's so many things. But it, there's, I really want to dig in on that backstory and find out how, it, how this came about. Because one thing that you can say is for as successful as Rick is, he's not an overnight success. Right. He's gained a lot of subscribers. I think when we were last with him, he had a half a million. Now he's at two, two, two and a half years later, he's at two million. But he's been on the platform for seven or eight years at least. Yeah. I mean, I mean we scrolled a, back through yeah. his channel to see. and He's got a fire. He's got a passion to grow. He certainly does. It's so great to see. We're super excited. Uh, we're going to bring Rick Shields on the show right now because um, we've got a lot to talk about. So stay tuned. Here is the Rick Shields interview. All right, guys. So we want to welcome Rick Shields back to the show. And first, Rick, we've got to kick it off by congratulating you. Two million YouTube subscribers. That's an amazing accomplishment. Congratulations. Thanks, guys. I appreciate it. It's uh, feels like it's been a while since I saw you over in uh, in Formby back in May 2019, and um, I, I don't think I hadn't even reached maybe 400,000 by that point right. subscribers. So yeah. in that last kind of 18 months or so, two years. Oh no, sorry, nearly come up to three years. Oh, it's geez, uh, it's yeah. changed quite a bit. But thanks for thanks for having me on and. Uh, Love what you're doing, and the set looks amazing, by the way, guys. Oh, thank you. We're just trying to keep up with your set there. I think it's brilliant. I mean, <laughs> <laughs> I just I just sent my set designers a picture of your set and said, do that, but just a little bit different, so they don't they don't realize I've copied. <laughs> <laughs> oh, there Love you go. It. Well, listen, I want to dig in on that a little bit and talk about even these last three years or so because we'll get into it obviously you're no overnight success you've been on youtube for a long time but it's been absolutely incredible rocket ship growth recently um and, and i think a lot of that growth obviously it's a testament to your hard work your team's hard work and i think also it might be and i want to get your take on this in a minute we're a little bit of a, a gauge on the overall health of the sport in general um but we'll get all into that but first we want to do we want to rewind a little bit we've got to give a little bit of a starting point right mike oh yeah we got to go back i mean for especially a lot of the audience who may have heard of rick shields you know maybe they don't know your content yet and they haven't really you know dove into what you're putting out there let's go back let's go back to before it all started were you just straight up coaching golf when you started was that all it was about for you that's it yeah you know what's crazy i've i always Growing up, I always had a fascination with technology. So whether it was the new iPhone that came out, I remember getting the very, very first new iPhone. Um, I remember getting bits of technology, whether it being a Mac or whatever it may be. So always fascinated with technology. And then 
oddly enough, when social media first, first ever came out, really Twitter was the first kind of, I know I'll tell you, that's a lie. MySpace was the mm, first real me. platform I got onto. And I, and I loved it. I absolutely loved it. Obviously, at the time, all your friends are on it. I loved the interaction. I loved that you could personalize your page, etc. And then kind of Twitter, as I started to work and become kind of a professional golfer at the age of 19, um, with the aspirations of being a teaching professional, a very busy teaching professional, that was the goal. It was when Twitter had started kicking off. And I just gravitated towards it really easily. And started tweeting, started building a audience on there. Um, and, you know, so to answer your question, yeah, I, I'm a, I still classify myself as a golf pro, even though I think now more people would see me as a YouTuber. If that's my roots, I am a golf pro. Um, I turned pro, like I said, at the age of 19. I wanted to be a, the best of the best. Mm-hmm. Realized pretty soon that I wasn't good enough, nowhere near good enough. But that was okay because I felt like I always had the backup plan of falling into coaching, which is something I really enjoyed doing from a very kind of early age in my, in my professional life. So very easily transitioned into coaching and absolutely loved it. Um, and kind of social media and YouTube plugged into that as a way of promoting myself as a golf coach. So how much of that was a balance between just enjoying the platform versus uh, more of a an, a means to reach more people? Like, did you ha- say, listen, I've got something to say with my coaching and I want to get it to as many, I don't want, the one-on-one is great, but I want to get it to as many people as possible. Or was it just a, just an enjoyment of the nature of social media? <laughs> Do you want the long story or the short story? <laughs> Whichever one is uh, more interesting. We're here. I'm all ears. Let's go. Yep. <laughs> well, this is a podcast, I suppose, so we can, we can stretch it out a little bit. Sure. So, uh, again, when I, when I was coaching, um, I was at my first golf club, which is a lovely golf club in Cheshire in, in the UK, really affluent area. And <clears throat> I was um, working with a, a number of different golf pros, as you do at a facility like this. And I remember with my passion of Twitter and really getting into that, I remember doing something that at the time, all my fellow professional golfers were asking me, why are you doing this? And what I used to do, I used to give people basically free swing advice on Twitter. Hmm. It helped me pass the time as I was, you know, blending between spending time in the pro shop and out coaching. When I was in the pro shop, I was jumping online and there used to be a thing on Twitter where you could, you could read other people's mentions so i remember going on to like david ledbetter's twitter for example and every day he's getting sent tens and probably even hundreds of videos of golfers around the world sending him swing videos and every now and again he would pick one or two of them up and give them tips and give them advice about their swing but obviously that's only one or two percent of the people who sent the swings to him mm-hmm. so what i would do i would go onto his mentions and i would actually kind of jump in there and anyone that he didn't reply to i'd spend my time replying back to him and i'd I had a hashtag going which was if you don't get answered mm-hmm. so and i used to start it going if you don't get answered by david ledbetter i'm a pga golf professional here in the uk this is my input and I would give them advice about their swing. The grip looks a bit strong. The stance is a bit open. You like swing a little bit over the top. X, Y, and Z. Here's things that you could fix it. And I, and I, you know what? I don't know why I did it, but I enjoyed it. 
there was no there was no reason to it. I was giving swing advice to people in New York, or I was giving swing advice to people in uh, Australia, knowing full well I was never going to see these people. Right. But I just enjoyed it. It it helped me work on my communication skills. It helped me work on my coaching when I was sat in a pro shop selling Mars bars. <laughs> then so that so that kind of sparked my interest because. What I then found is a lot of those people who I gave swing advice to became a follower mm-hmm. and are probably still to this day followers now. But, but I was building this online platform and building this Twitter following, which at the time was probably only in the hundreds, maybe the early thousands. But it was all people that I'd connected with, all people I'd, yeah. I'd added value to them. And therefore, in return, they wanted to follow me back and interacted with my tweets and everything that I did. The next stage then, I actually moved to a, a much busier golf facility, a driving range here in Manchester, UK. And I was one of four teaching professionals there. And at the time, I was a young lad. I was probably 22 at this at this time, maybe 23. Compared to the other pros, I was kind of the, the new kid on the block. Mm-hmm. And when I first started, I wasn't particularly very busy. You know, it was hard. It was difficult to get new clients in. It was a busy driving range, but you also already have three very established professionals there. So I would kind of, I brought a little bit of a client base with me from my previous golf club, but then would pick people up off the range and give them advice. And then they would book in for lessons. And I was growing nicely. Mm-hmm. Nicely doesn't quite cut it for me, unfortunately. <laughs> when, I, when I try and do something, I, I don't know if you can tell from YouTube and podcast and everything else. <laughs> I do quite like, I do quite like becoming number one. So every couple of weeks, we used to have a sales meeting, all the pros. And, you know, I'd start, I was the the bottom of the pile. I was Mm -hmm. the pro selling the least amount of lessons at the time because I was new. And I hated it. I absolutely hated it. So I thought to myself, well, how do I get busier when pretty much I feel like everybody that lives within the the 10 miles of of the driving range are already coming for lessons with one of the other pros? Mm-hmm. They already are. And I got thinking, well, what's what's beyond that? Like, what is past just Manchester? Like, why can't I tr- attract audiences from different parts of the country? So, again, with my technology brain on, I thought well, there might be an option there. But the first route I actually went down, because this was how professionals became famous as such, was golf magazines. Mm-hmm. Yep, yep. Golf magazines were the only way to become recognizable you know front cover or doing articles in there so i remember the first thing i did this was back in about 2010 i emailed every golf magazine i could possibly think of the ones in the uk even the ones in america golf digest etc because i thought well there's got to be an opening somewhere Mm -hmm. and very nicely and politely most people got back to me and said no (laughs) (laughs) like like basically, what, 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 why are you different? What do you offer? Who, what tour pro do you teach? Because right. that was, you know, to become a famous pro in a golf magazine, you have to teach tour pros, really. Mm-hmm. Or your face has to fit, or, you, you know, something has to be the right time, the right place. So once I got all these knockbacks, I started to think, well, I'd love social media. Like, I love it. I'm all over Twitter. I'm all over YouTube. Mm-hmm. I'm all over Facebook still surely there's got to be a route there and i'd be lying if i didn't say there was already golf creators making content but very very little amounts like 
a, less than a handful of golf creators making yeah. content. Um, probably even when I started, maybe the biggest channel was only on 10,000 subscribers, let's say. Mm -hmm. So it was still very much in its, in its infancy. So naturally I gravitated towards the technology. As I mentioned before, I was always into my phones and technology that re regards, but I, I didn't know how to work a camera and didn't know how to do ed editing. So I just set up a camera, um, in my, in my teaching bay and started to make some videos. They were terrible. You were doing this all yourself at that point, correct? At this point, they were terrible. Yeah, they, the very, 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 very first videos I ever did, they were terrible. Were, were these them, Rick? So, Do you see this camera? Is this? No, no. I'm gonna, I'm gonna come on to that in a minute. Oh, okay. <laughs> but believe it or not, they're the, they're the better ones. Oh, okay. Because I was gonna the say, like, these, these are pretty good. We were gonna mention like these are not that bad for seven, eight years ago. No. But go ahead, go ahead. No, so. No, we're now looking at, and this was probably about 2012 now. So I, I did these videos. I shot them myself. I had no clue where to start. My laptop wasn't good enough for editing. I didn't know how to edit. I knew nothing, like literally nothing. So I thought to myself, well, I can't do this on my own. I need some help. So I decided to look online for a videographer and an editor to do some freelance work for me. So... Anyway, I got a response from a freelancer who said, yeah, I can come and shoot it all, not a problem. And it's going to cost you X amount. Now, I can't remember the, the figure off the top of my head, but I remember at the time thinking, oh my God, that's expensive. Oh my God, like how the hell, how the hell am I going to ever recoup this amount of money ever? Right. So in my head, I thought I justified it by saying to myself, okay, well, if I can make... 20 videos with him in that single day that i had him for then it'll probably it might just about pay dividends right mm -hmm. and the whole idea of again me making videos was to promote myself as a golf coach to get more people in through the door in manchester right. so i didn't want to be bottom of the sales list anymore i wanted to be number one and not just number one i wanted to double everyone else <laughs> so um <laughs> yeah but i also felt like still to this day i felt like I was, I was, I'm good at coaching. Like I actually, mm -hmm. I, I, well, I know I am. I'm a very, very good golf coach. I can, I'm very good at communicating. I can get my message across. I can make people feel comfortable. So I felt like I also had a lot to offer with a slightly younger kind of narrative on it. Because again, at the time, a lot of the famous golf pros are 50, 60, 70 year old right. and no, right. no disrespect to those people, but that's just how it was, mm -hmm. you know? So I felt like I, I, I could add a lot of value back to, the, the the customer when they did come through the door and i could help them and it wasn't about just sales but that was kind of barometer of how we were measured on performance really so this guy came to me and he was from he was actually from the area that i had the youtube golf day so it was kind of formby area kind of the wirral so okay. he came over and filmed filmed with, with me for a full day and i had this itinerary i had all these 20 videos that i wanted to film right so the very, very, we started at seven o'clock in the morning, right? And that was that very first video you've just shown me there now. We started at seven o'clock in the morning. And the very first video I did was a very simple bump and run shot. Um, dead simple tip, right? And wasn't massively overproduced. It was one cameraman, one camera, maybe a secondary camera, but I'd, uh, maybe one or two. And the very first take, I absolutely nailed it. <laughs> like it was, the, it was the best video 
I've ever done at that time. I, I nailed it. So I turned to him. I'm like a Cheshire cat. I don't know if that's the same in, in the US, <laughs> yep, but I'm, yeah. I'm very, very happy with myself. Mm-hmm. I'm very, very happy with myself. And uh, I'm like, I turned to him and I'm like, brilliant. Next one he goes. So he, he's got his headphones and he goes, uh, I'm really sorry. Oh, no. uh, there was a bit of interference. There was a bit of interference in the audio. <sighs> So, so I'm, I'm like grip i'm like biting my tongue thinking oh my god i've just nailed that right let's go again so i did it again ah sorry i'm really sorry there's a plane there's a plane going over somewhere and i'm like is this guy for is this guy for real like this is this is youtube this is not a freaking spielberg you know right. film this is this is youtube right um and maybe my fault you know it's my fault this is the first time I've worked with a professional videographer. This is this is what I just thought happened. Mm-hmm. This is what I thought was was normal. You know, I didn't know I don't right. know this world. So anyway, lot, cut a long story short. In that day, instead of the twenty videos we had done, because of all the stopping and starting, the retakes, this that, and the other, we probably got five done. Okay, and that really that really hurt me because mm-hmm. it that that wasn't worked out in my in my. Uh, calculations of how i can return my investment on this right and about two weeks later he'd edited these videos and it's what you see on the channel now i mean when i look back i absolutely got ripped off like ridiculously got ripped off when i when i look back at it now because i remember i had to hire all the equipment i had to pay him for his editing i had to pay him mm-hmm. for the day's filming and i got five videos out of it which are just so bad like <laughs> the better than what my i could have done but that was a really important learning lesson for me because I soon realized it's not how much you spend on cameras. It's not how much you spend in production or editing or um, professional help. Right. I started to realize going, this is you, this is YouTube. It's not about that. Right. It needs to be raw. It needs to be, there needs to be some mess ups. If I get my lines wrong, I'll just laugh it off. Right. So I decided to then start making my own content because I knew what I didn't want to do were using that that fella i knew then what i wanted to do a bit more so i just researched in fact i got a little bit of help from a friend who could do a bit of editing mm-hmm. um and i started making just completely my own videos on on iphone or ipad i would film it edit it and get it out and i, I reckon for the first couple of months I, I honestly thought to myself why am i doing this like why am i even trying because I'm getting next to no views. Like right. I'm getting a hundred, a hundred views on a video. I'm like, so it wasn't you know, translating just, yet. It just doesn't more clients at, at, you know, it was your, not, your goal. Not of, yet. It wasn't translating yet. Okay. Not yet. Not yet. So it probably, I don't know how long the time frame was. Um, it felt like an eternity, but it probably wasn't. I remember getting the very first phone call from somebody outside of Manchester who wanted a golf lesson and, go. and my phone rang and it's a random random number and I'm like hello Rick speaking he goes and he, he's a guy from Newcastle which again location wise to you guys is probably three and a half hours from Manchester right mm. yeah okay. not not a normal not a normal commute for us Brits <laughs> like to, for you guys that's just going to the shops around the corner right, right three right. and a half hours pretty much yeah mm-hmm. But to us, that that's like a big journey. And this then this guy, he was called Steve. He's at he's had to go past hundreds and hundreds of golf pros on his journey from Newcastle down to me in Manchester. And at that moment, I thought, 
oh my god, it's worked. It's go. something's worked. I've had and and the phone call when I've I've seen your videos on YouTube. I love the way that you you deliver your lessons. Can do you, can you coach me? And what was mad with YouTube, and I still think it's this day. He absolutely presumed I was the busiest golf coach in the world because I'm doing mm. YouTube. Mm-hmm. Like he's saying to me, Rick, when when can I get in? I'll do anything. Can I? You know, do do you even do you even still coach? Was the question? I'm like, yeah, yeah, cool. yeah. Like, I'm, I'm, I'm in. So I'm, I'm thinking to myself, I better not seem too eager and say right. tomorrow. So I kind of, I said, I can probably squeeze you in sometime next week. Yeah. <laughs> so, so, That's so yeah, I'm kind I just of a big that. deal. Yeah, May, pretend yeah. like you're bigger than you are. Though, yeah, I'm kind of a big deal. But let me see what I can do. Yeah, I can squeeze you in. So from that point, to be honest with you, I never looked back. The, the the teaching diary i carried on making videos the teaching diary got outrageously busy i went from fourth on the sales list to third to second to first to to first with a, with a head start everything like that the it was all down to me putting myself out there and right. instead of coaching the 10 mile radius around manchester i was now starting to coach not only people from all all four four corners of england but also in scotland in wales were coming seeing me in i had clients from ireland flying over i had a guy from orlando very in probably in the first six months of doing youtube i had a guy from orlando fly over to take a golf lesson with me and all of my other golf pros that worked with me were like gobsmacked like the the, the jaws are like what how the hell has this happened but it it was twofold well it was a a few things i love technology as i mentioned Mm -hmm. earlier i love social media i love golf coaching i actually came out of school with two main qualifications which is which pe so physical education and drama so theatrical arts yeah so in a weird way i've kind of everything that i've loved and i've been passionate about well, those are two things I've that kind of, I've kind of managed to blend into next to each other. Drama and, and PE. I mean, it's you, you yeah. got an interesting path there right off the bat. Yeah. I mean, like, like I say, I loved doing drama at school. Like it was one of my, my favorite subjects. I loved playing it, being in plays. I loved being on the stage. I loved kind of talking in front of people. It never, never phased me, never bothered me. And obviously I loved sports and I loved golf. So it took me a long time, probably even just in the last three or four years, have I actually come up with that um, kind of conclusion, that summary, and to gone, oh my God, the two things I loved at school mm-hmm. have somehow turned into a job. I didn't realize it at the time. So yeah, that's the kind of long version. Um, I should have said that was the short version then, shouldn't I? <laughs> I said, <laughs> well, I tell you what, another thing I mean, I find interesting as far as a differentiator too is how you mentioned like getting that in the first take, how you were comfortable on camera right off the bat. Because I think that's another thing that holds a lot, even now in a day where arguably even a lot of golf coaches aspire to do what you do. They see you and and I think you've brought a lot of people onto the platform because of that. But I think what holds them back is that there may be excellent teachers, but that camera turns on and there's just, uh, there's no... They're just, they're not comfortable and you can see it and you can feel it and it just doesn't translate. So did you kind of, you said you nailed it on the first take, but did you know it right away that you were, you were good on camera and it was something you wanted to do? Like, I, I like this. I enjoy being in front of the camera. 
I, yeah, I I didn't I didn't mind it. It didn't bother me. It wasn't it wasn't unusual for me to be in front of camera and like I say talking and communicating because even even when I used to deliver my lessons, I almost felt like my teaching bay was like a, a theater. And I'm I'm kind of I'm kind of the the compare like I, I loved that kind of theatrical aspect to my lessons where it was very energetic and it was exciting and it was it was memorable. I wanted people to walk out my teaching bay and going, wow! Like I, not only did I really enjoy that lesson, I improved, but that's going to last with me for a long time because that Rick was really energetic or really excitable or whatever it may be. That was something that I always tried to be passionate about. Yeah, make but it um, uh, yeah, but I must admit now, I don't. I thought I was comfortable in camera, in front of camera. I thought I was good in front of camera, but it only takes me now to look back at my old videos and go, "Oh, you were mm-hmm. you were tricking yourself because you, you weren't you weren't that good." <laughs> <laughs> well, it, I, I think it's, I just I, I I was I was comfortable, but wasn't good. But what I've been, obviously now I'm comfortable and I feel like I've got a, a little bit better from those kind of early days. Gotcha. Well, so speaking of those early days, you know, obviously you're a bit of an anomaly at that point. You know, no one else is, especially in your close group there, is doing anything with YouTube, social media. But early on, there were some other guys. I'm thinking Peter Finch, yep. Andy Carter, who've seen tremendous, they were early in the platform too, and they've also seen tremendous success. So it's something that they've been able to do and develop in their own way. How did you link up with those guys in those early days? Did you end up just finding people who were thinking and, and, and working like you? No, no, no. They, they, do you, do you not, you know, I, the story about those guys? We, you know, just doing a deep dive in your channel. I see them very early on, I like but it. I don't okay. know how you first linked up with them. So we all, we all went to college together. Okay. So between 16 and 18, we all went to golf college over here in the UK. And there was 30 odd students in golf college. Me and, me and Andy were really good friends uh, because we lived in at golf college as a number, a number of us did. Pete was in our class, but he lived quite close to golf college. So he would commute in and out every day. So we didn't become as kind of as close to Pete then because a lot of our friendships were obviously social circles. We'd go out together. We'd have nights out. You know, we, we were sleeping at the, we were, we were dorming at the college. Mm-hmm. So that's how, that's how the three, we, ne- we didn't know each other at all beforehand. Nothing at all. Even though weirdly we didn't live that far away from each other. We knew nothing about each other before, but in golf college, that's kind of where we met. When we left golf college, or I left golf college at 18, I think Pete did as well, and I think Andy carried on till 21. So fast forward a couple of years, over here in the UK, when you become a PGA professional, you go through training, you go through three years of training, and uh, part of that training, you do a one-week residential at the Belfry, which is where the Ryder Cup's been hosted loads of times. Mm -hmm. It's the home of the PGA here in the UK. So for that one-week residential, you do lectures, you do practicals, whatever. And and again, 30-odd students, probably even more maybe, who were doing the PGA would all be at that residential. Funny enough, Peter Finch was on my residential. He was also now doing his PGA as I was. 
which wasn't a natural pathway from golf college. It really wasn't. But just coincidentally, we crossed paths again at, at the PGA and we spent a week drinking, messing about, whatever, right? right and became right. good friends from that. Mm-hmm. So probably probably another year went by and residential came up again. So me and Pete would then be messaging each other saying, are you going on this certain week? Because we want to be kind of pals together. Mm-hmm. So again, we meet up on the year two of residential and again for year three of residential. So in th- a three-year window, I see him for three weeks. So I saw him one week every year, but nothing in between, literally nothing. So this was then probably about, I would have been maybe 19 or 20, roughly that time, around about that time. So um, when I started at the golf center I was talking about in Manchester, Mm -hmm. I'd been there probably about two years when a new vacancy became available and we wanted to go from four professionals to five professionals because we we had the capacity to capacity to do so at this point i was already killing it on sales i was already had my youtube channel it was kind of it was at that point of view from a golf coaching point of view i was i was the busiest my diary was fuller than full so when this vacancy came up andy andy carter my good friend from college and we'd we'd met a few times between college and, and this point. Um, he was working over in Ireland, but I know he wanted to get back to the UK, back to England. So I messaged him saying, by the way, Andy, there's a job vacancy coming up at Trafford. I think you could do really well here. Apply for the job. So he applied. And weirdly enough, I actually interviewed him. <laughs> um, or part I think you could do well. I'm interviewing interview. you. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So, so shock, shock, he got the job. But he did, he deserved it as well. Um, so he started he started at uh, Trafford Golf Centre with me and three uh, three other pros. So it was five of us, and he was seeing kind of what success I had. But he was happy to kind of feature on my channel. So I would I would let's say I'm going playing a golf course. I would then say to him, "Oh, are you off on Monday?" He'd say, "Yeah." I say, "Why don't you come with me? I'm going filming. You can come on the channel." So he went, "Great, not a problem." Like he saw the re- the return I was getting from YouTube, mm-hmm. and thought, well, yeah, if I can feature on your channel, great. So he, he featured on my channel quite a few times over the next kind of six months or so. About a year later, um, we had another one of the other one of the pros left, not Andy, another pro. So a new job vacancy came available. We were getting applicants, just normal applicants, and and kind of our director of golf at the time said, oh, guys, I've had an application here from a lad I think you might know, uh, Peter Finch. And me and Andy obviously were like, oh, yeah, Pete. Yeah, yeah absolutely. You know, is there a good recommendation? Yeah, get Pete, get Pete in. Anyway, Pete obviously gets the job. So at this point, again, I'm fully busy. I'm absolutely killing the coaching. Andy Carter's getting busier because he's featuring on my channel a little bit. Uh, he's got a good drive. You know, he, he wants to get busy. Mm-hmm. So then Pete joins the team, which I can't, I can't quite remember the year. I'm going to probably guess 2013, uh, uh, guess 2012 back end of. So he joins the golf, the, the professional team as well. Now, Pete, again, featured on some of my videos at the time. So this time, now it was a bit of like Andy Carter was on my channel. Pete was on my channel and kind of we were mixing together. We were going playing different golf courses. But I think it soon realized that Pete, 
unlike Andy, probably wanted to kind of set up his own channel. Okay. Um, so what was funny about this, though, he would do it when I kind of wasn't there or wasn't watching. <laughs> and and um, he, he would do it like tucked away around the corner. Um, and I, I was... I remember coaching one day, looking around the corner, and going, "Is he making a video? Is he? Is he making a video over there?" I'm like, "Oi!" <laughs> like, I was like, "Videos are my thing. You can't do videos." <laughs> right. So I'd, I'd been going about a year or so at this point. I, I can't remember how many subscribers I'd had, but you know, it, it definitely had a, a direct correlation of how busy I was as a golf coach. And Pete could see that and thought, "Well, I, I want a slice of that pie." please i want to be busy right. and i remember seeing his first video i remember seeing it being filmed live and i remember seeing it go on youtube and i was like oh actually that's quite good he's actually mm -hmm. better than i thought he was going to be hmm. um again self-taught like me yep. uh, so over the over the next kind of two or three years pete was i was obviously really busy my coaching YouTube kind of became monetarized at about this time as well because up mm -hmm. in this up until this point YouTube wasn't monetarized like zero money, making zero money from YouTube. But how I was making my money and how I could justify it because how busy I became as a golf coach. Right, bringing the lessons in. When yeah. YouTube became, yeah, because that, yeah. that, that was my reward, let's say. Mm -hmm. So then um, the year when monetization came in, it was like, well, hold on. I, I'm making about as much money now as I would do as a, as a busy day coaching why don't I take a day out my coaching diary, which by the way, at that point I was still doing six days a week. I'll take a day out my coaching diary and make more YouTube content, make better YouTube content because it's, it's, it's paying for itself now. Right. And over time that kind of, that slide kept going and going and going until kind of it's gone the other way now where I, I only do YouTube and I don't actually coach, but it was just a gradual thing where when the money went up, it made me realize, well, actually maybe I could have a Saturday off and see my, see my wife or wife to be or whatever it may be. And then obviously when I had kids, it was like, well, I'll take a full weekend off and just work Monday to Friday and do three days coaching, two days YouTube. So um, anyway, I, I kind of fast forwarded a bit there. So at this time, Pete started his YouTube channel. He was seeing the success I was having. He was starting to do videos on his own. But also, we were collaborating a lot together. Me, Pete, Carter would plug in. It was never really Carter's interest to set up his own channel. He wasn't that bothered at the time. Mm -hmm. He's changed his mind a little bit now and again over the last 10 years or so because he's seen success in different ways. But, um, yeah, we, we would kind of collectively... We'd go on Pete's channel, he'd go on my channel, Carter would jump between channels. And again, we saw a very, very, very similar um, outcome. Pete became, became very busy mm -hmm. as, as the second busiest golf coach. Oh, we got to <laughs> maintain yeah, that ranking. That's right. Yeah. So as the second of, busiest golf coach. So staying on Peter, speaking of that, I want to talk about Quest. When So you left Manchester and started Quest with Peter? So... Yeah, so me and Pete were doing loads of videos together. Um, without getting into the kind of legality, there was something that uh, Trafford fell fell through a little bit that kind of made me think about maybe looking at a different facility to coach at because I didn't particularly need the footfall from Trafford anymore because I was already bringing in my own footfall. Like people were traveling to see me, not right, coming right. to the center. Mm -hmm. So I just hinted at Pete. I, you know, I gave him a bit of a heads up saying, just let you know, pal, I'm probably going to look to move elsewhere. I don't really know where yet, but I, I am going to look at moving somewhere. Mm 
And he just very quickly, without really too much hesitation, said, well, can I come with you? Can we do it kind of together? And we were doing loads of videos and stuff together at the time. So I was like, well, yeah, it's absolutely fine. Like it breaks up my cost. It doesn't cost me as much to set up somewhere. Right. Uh, it kind of makes sense. Yeah. Yeah. So we ended up finding a facility over in Lytham, uh, where like Royal Lytham is and some amazing golf courses over there, uh, like near, near Royal Burtdale as well, not far from there. So we went there to a driving range and we converted two driving range bays into the Quest Golf Academy, which it became uh, kind of a, just a, an umbrella branding. It was it was never anything formal. It was just a name that we kind of came up with. I think Pete was doing a lot of his like quest for 350 mm -hmm. yards and right. quest for this and quest for that. So it kind of just tagged in. And we spent a year at the, the new facility over in Lytham. Again, filming loads together, filming individually, having lessons coming in coming out and that kind of lasted really nicely until another facility became available um which is a little bit more inland uh, nearer to manchester so we end up moving there together slightly more modern facility and again we probably spent four years there again making videos together um teaching sometimes what was funny at the time though because we were making a lot of videos on our own as well and because we shared the coaching bay his days when he was in coaching i was off mm -hmm. days i was in filming he was away days that i was in coaching he was off so actually sometimes if we didn't collaborate we actually might not see each other for months just right. the way it worked because we were focusing much more on our own content at that point and we were, right. we were more focusing you know i went down more the path of club reviewing or doing other videos or whatever, and Pete wanted to continue with his kind of journey on getting better and his quest for the Open. So there was times where we might not see each other for ages, but the audience still thought we were like kind of seeing each other every day because that's the outcome. It looks like that. Mm -hmm. Would you put uh, the, the the club review path? I want to talk about that because would, would you consider that almost like a turning point for a YouTube channel? Starting to dive into That clubs? happened really well you know what if you look again if you look back on the channel that actually happened really early on okay. in the channel um it was more for me I, why did i do i don't know why i quite did it if i'm honest with you um I, prob I probably just thought to myself if i only do coaching videos i might run out of ideas mm, yeah i need i need other strands of content and a lot of people, because I didn't work at a golf shop, a lot of people would ask for my advice on equipment because I was impartial. I had no connection. Yeah, I, did, I, didn't, I didn't need to know you were going to buy the latest and greatest driver. I, my, my sole um, goal was to help you get the best equipment for you and not get ripped off. So I think maybe that stemmed with my interest, my just natural interest in technology probably just kind of circulated and I ended up doing club reviews and testing. And um, the one that kind of went viral for me to a degree at the time, this would have been the start of 2013, maybe when Nike brought out the very first Nike covert driver. Mm -hmm, right. And um, there was a rep that came into, there was a, there's an American golf shop at Trafford golf center where I, where I worked, but there were separate entities. Like that was a golf shop. I didn't work in there. I just coached at the facility. So a rep came down from Nike showing off these new Nike covert drivers, right? I had no idea of the word embargo. 
<laughs> Bye. Right. You you were talking a different language to me if you said that to me back then. Mm-hmm. Right. So I remember saying to this guy, I remember saying this Nike rep, oh, that's that's amazing. Do you mind if I just borrow these drivers um, and give, give them a hit? And he went, yeah, of course you can. Go ahead. So I took these Nike drivers. Again, back, I'm sure it was start of 2013. Set up my cameras really, really quickly. Whacked all the shots on flight scope and kind of did a bit of a review of them. Next day, I post it online. <laughs> this was this, like, it's the first time anybody had seen these Nike drivers. Like, and you've got some bloke in Manchester not having a genuinely at the time, not thinking I'd done anything wrong. I honestly didn't realize right. that yeah, it right. was kind of, <clears throat> you know, not right to do. I mean, I didn't, I really didn't end up getting a bollocking, but I think the Nike rep probably got a bit of a roasting. But, um, it, it and and I think then because let's say let's say a coaching video would get me at the time a hundred a uh, thousand views in a week let's say for example mm-hmm. I remember this Nike video getting like a thousand views in like the first three hours mm-hmm. <laughs> and I was like oh <laughs> onto something yeah people people are, people, people are interested in this sort of stuff um, and because again even back at that Nike video I I, w- I wasn't I didn't care if you bought it or not. Uh, that right. wasn't my intention. I just wanted to give you a bit of information, what I thought about it. Did it sound good? Did it do did it do what it should do? And that's still that's still evident right now in today's reviews that I do. That's the same premise. It's just obviously mm-hmm. advanced a bit. But what's weird now is is reviews are a nice part of the channel, but they're not the big part of the channel. Like mm-hmm. reviews very rarely change the dial for us, move the needle. It, but it, it, they just don't. It's super cool now that that's there's a lot of people out there that won't go spend six hundred on a stealth unless they hear what Rick Shields has to say about it, and that's you've come a long way. And that's yeah, awesome. yeah, one hundred percent. And and I think that's that's twelve years of of trust. Sure. I'd like to think I've built with my audience. Twelve years of of not massively changing my stance on what I think about equipment, getting excited about new equipment. Because right. I love new equipment. I love it. Sure. I love it. But I'm also a realist and I'm also still going back to my core. I'm still a golf coach. And I know these golf clubs are lovely and they they have advanced enormously in the last 10 years, 12 years. But but if you want to get better at golf, you're better off fixing your swing rather than buying a six hundred pound driver or six hundred dollar driver. Right, right. Um but people do get excited about equipment and I've got no issues, whatever, if somebody wants to go out and buy a, a 10 grand set of clubs. Not an, not an issue. Just as long as you you manage your expectations knowing that 10 grand set of clubs isn't going to make you, you know, a scratch golfer overnight. Right, right. Mm-hmm. And now you've managed, as you said, to stay kind of with that philosophy and be independent. Now, you you have the biggest YouTube channel in the world now. I got to imagine that the brand deals come knocking. Is it something for you? Is it a philosophy where you just say, I want to remain independent and I want to have say what I can say and whatever it may be? Um, or is it, is it a monetary decision? It just, it just makes more you know, sense revenue-wise to stay independent. How do you process that, that out? Yeah, I think, I think I'm incredibly selective with, with brand partners. So every brand partner I've had so far, whether it was Nike for clothing, I only signed with Nike for clothing because it stopped making equipment. Mm. <clears throat> like yeah. I wouldn't have signed with Nike if they still made equipment. Um, 
uh, similar to any any real brand that makes equipment, I wouldn't massively sign with them because I just think there's always a question mark over then the authenticity of the review. Mm-hmm. And for me, again, this has taken 12 years to build this confidence with my audience or 11 years to build this confidence with my audience. Trust. It's too valuable to me. Yeah. That, that is too... I, I it, it sounds daft. It's almost hard to put a price tag on it mm-hmm. because... I honestly think that's that's a huge part of the of the success and and the and the growth is that it doesn't feel like an advert. It's not. If anything, it's I'm on the side of the consumer massively more than I am of the manufacturers. Um, so, you know, it, you're right. I have many, many, many brand deals that come through, and we have to sift through ones that are good or bad. But I must admit, ninety. 8% of them go on the no pile yeah. just because it's like, it's just not worth it for me. It, the, the, the channel's doing well. It's not a money thing as in these brand deals almost can't justify the spend because if you actually put a price on eyeballs, it's a bloody lot of money. Yeah. <laughs> and you know, so, you know, we get, we get comfortably over 11 million views a month. Like those are, that's a lot of reach. Right. Um, so a lot of the time, if even if brands do come in, I sometimes kind of play around with it and go, well, this kind of, if you were to get involved, this is the potential reach. This is the potential numbers. And sometimes they say no, <laughs> which is fine because I'm like, it doesn't make me look like the bad guy then. I'm like, but I'm not, when I, when I say these brands, let me just make this very clear. This is not manufacturers. This is, mm-hmm. I've never, ever, ever, I, pretty much every single manufacturer out there in golf has put an offer down on the table in the last mm-hmm. 12 years to mm-hmm. 11, oh, I keep saying 12, 11 years. And every time I've said no, because it's just, for me, it's just not worth it. It's just, and I've seen, I've seen other YouTubers do it. Um, I'm not sure if it's worked out for them or not, but I think just for me, it's just a straight no. And I'll, I'll kind of stick with that. Yeah, well, what you said early on when we were first talking was saying about how YouTube, to a certain extent, has to be raw and real. And I think people would pick up very quickly if something wasn't, you know, uh, honest or something. It would be very see-through. So um, it's yeah. great that, you know, you, you picked up on that so early and just knew that, like... And you, you started even before YouTube, as you said, building that community with Twitter by just having fun doing it and offering people value. And, and by being able to yeah. continue doing that with this, I think it's, yeah, why change that formula of such great success? And plus you can, you know, you lay your head at night knowing, you know, you've been very honest with your community and things like that. Yeah. Um, I mean, it's like, you know, for, for example, obviously you guys are with Titleist Foot Joy. I'm guessing you don't review then the new TaylorMade driver. Well, you know, Kind of funny, believe it or not, they've encouraged us many times to review other equipment. Who have Titleist? Or Titleist has, has, has reviewed yeah. many times because also our journey being a little different, we started with the website and the blog and, and more from an editorial standpoint. Of course. And then we brought YouTube on a little bit later. Uh, so we were doing some sort of reviews, but more of our hesitation, honestly, from doing any type of reviews has just been that we're, we've always held us back saying, we're not pros. We don't know enough. Now we've been in the golf long enough. We're starting to get a better understanding of equipment. And we've been even pushed a little bit by by some of our audience by saying, hey, we want to hear what a average golfer feels when they hit this club. So we've been dabbling with it. But that's one of the biggest reasons why we've worked with Titleist and FootJoy as long as we have is because they've never 
ever in any way said they wanted to control our content in any way. It was one of those things yeah. that I feel like but it, but when it, you feel like it's not like matches, you know. Yeah. Like right, you, sorry, I sorry cut you off. I can't imagine I can't imagine you do shoe reviews. We don't, we but don't, I've also right. just never quite known how to do a re shoe <laughs> review. <laughs> but like, I know it is, it is hard. I believe it or not, I've right. actually got some shoe reviews on my channel, which I regret. But like, let's say, for example, if, if you if you're hitting a new whatever driver, Taylor May, Callaway, whatever, and and again, this is just my stance on it, and I think you're somewhat similar. Even though internally. You might say to yourself, I'm going to be as honest as I possibly can right now. Mm -hmm. I'm going to tell you whether this, this tailor-made driver is the best thing I've ever hit or the worst thing I've ever hit. Okay? Right. Even though you might be able to absolutely swear that that's what you're going to say, as soon as the audience see that you've got a Titleist hat on, right? can they actually, and regardless of whether you are right or wrong, the, the, they can they fully 100% trust what you're saying? And, and yeah. I'm not, you know, and that, that's totally my, that's my that. only, you know, that's my only thing that I'm super, super, super protective about. This is why I don't, I don't really film at any golf manufacturers facilities. I have in the past, I hold my hands up, but mm -hmm. I don't anymore because again, it just looks like they're smoozing me. I'm getting in bed with them. It's not about that anymore. Like send me a product, give me the information, I'll review it and I'll do it in my own way, impartial as possible, impartial as possible um you don't have any say in it so it's like but then the, o the only time i'd ever 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 you know look to if i unless i stopped doing reviews unless i absolutely said right i'm no longer doing reviews then if that as long as i'm still doing reviews i'll never sign with a, a manufacturer yeah there you go. and look like i said you can't argue with the success because it's worked so well for you and people do they truly as mike was saying before some people will not buy a piece of equipment until they hear what rick has to say about it <laughs> and i think that that is that is truly a testament to that and you know it, it and it, it is different for all different youtubers and i think that that's one of the best parts about youtube as a space in general is there so it allows so many different voices in the game and you know and for us it's been like a, a very specific decision thus far to not do too much other equipment and that's really just been because we want to make sure we can purely provide that value and we feel like there's guys out there like of yourself course. who are who are no you know you can hit that same spot on the driver face every time and give some accurate numbers and we're we're you know we're 12 <laughs> handicaps <laughs> like, well, I didn't hit that one great so i don't know if i'm giving that that is it. but there's there's a there's a space and a voice for that but for us it's just always been uh we've never had a script we don't, we just, we feel like if we're just dead honest and dead ourselves, when that camera comes on, then let people yeah. at that, at the end of that, let whatever people want to infer But people may trust us. They may not, but at least they're getting fully us. So we'll get on. We'll be like, yeah. Hey, we're Titleist guys. We love Titleist. We play Titleist and they're one of our sponsors. But that being said, we're going to yeah. hit this club and tell you what we think. And as long as you're not, yeah. I felt if you're not hiding anything, this is from our, us, our side. I mean, I truly totally understand everything you do. For our side, as long as we're fully, there's all upfront and honest, then again, I can I can sleep yeah. well at night knowing I've I've done my yeah. community think, justice. Yeah, you know, I think in this day and age, well, with with so many question marks on on trust, I honestly yeah. think that, that even though I love Twitter so much, or well, I kind of loved it, I don't love it quite as much anymore. I think some skeptics just can't fathom or believe that nothing corrupt or dodges going on 
Like they oh, just yeah. they can't understand that it's as as transparent as I'm possibly telling them. And I'll tell them till till you know I tell them till I'm blue in the face. But it, they almost just can't they can't understand that. Yeah, I've got all this reach. Surely someone's got to be paying you. Yeah. No. The only the only people pay me are YouTube. You know. So that that's the people who pay me. So as long as you watch my videos, then then that's happy. I'm happy days. Right. Right. And that's at the end of the day, you get to that point where it's like, you can only concern yourself with so much. You're going to, you, uh, we, we like to focus on the people that you can help, the people who are getting value. There's always going to be someone who doesn't like your content, doesn't like you. And that's why I said, it's good to have so many different personalities that are out there. Yeah, exactly. But let's fast forward a little bit and talk a little bit more currently. We started talking at the beginning of the show of it. So we, we've had those seven years, like I said, you're certainly no overnight sensation you know what i mean that used a lot of hard work as you talked about yourself your team the transitions the collabs um but it took about seven years to grow the channel from zero to about a half a million subscribers and then something in these past two and a half three years two years since we last saw you when you're right around that mark it's been a rocket ship to, to two million and beyond you know refresh it now there's going to be a thousand more subscribers on your channel so that said, what do you feel like it's been in this last little bit? Has it been a, a change in focus in you? Has it been a growth of the game in general? What has it been that's kind of really jettisoned you recently? I think it's a combination of a few things. Um, I think it's understanding what content works personally. Mm -hmm. So it's, it's, it's sitting down. So you're right. I've got, I've got a team now. So I have like a right-hand man who's my content director uh, who's guy who, who obviously is on the podcast with me as well. He started yeah. with me four four years ago, and that's no coincidence that the channel has kind of boomed since that moment. Um, I brought on more editors, so I've got four editors now on the team, um, and we I've got like a commercial manager. I've got a, I've actually got an assistant now, like a PA, because I've realised. And I, I remember, I don't, do you know Marcus Brownlee, the tech reviewer? Yep. Mm -hmm. Sure. Yep. So Marquez really nicely said recently that he was like an octopus with eight arms and he was doing all these jobs, but he soon realized that our, the arm number six wasn't his strength, mm -hmm. whatever that may be. For me, arm number six was analytics of the YouTube channel. I didn't, I didn't what are these numbers? What are these graphs? I don't know anything about it. <laughs> right. I don't, I'm not good enough at this. I, I'm, I'm a golf pro and I'll hit golf shots and I kind of know how to edit a little bit, but that's not my forte. I need to cut my arm off and give it to someone else. And that's where kind of guy got brought in involved editing. I, I, um, my Siri keeps kicking in. Every yeah. time I, I talk, my Siri keeps kicking in. Does it, is it picking up on you guys or not? We don't hear it now. No, She's just it, bugging you in the, in the ear. Yeah. So, so for example, editing, as much as I found it enjoyable, I didn't have the time to do it anymore. That's where, again, I've got to cut off one of my arms and give it to, give it to somebody else and give it to one of my editors. So that, you know, I, listening to Marquez Brownlee say all those things, there was a huge tech review with 10 million odd subscribers, yep. 10 million subscribers. It kind of made me realize that's, that's what I've done without really realizing. I've just strengthened my team. I've, I've become... I've become less protective of what I can control and have to give responsibility to other people. Gotcha. And when Guy, Guy kind of joined the team, he was always a huge fan of YouTube. He was he, I used to work with him. So when I taught before, when I was at Trafford Golf Center, he actually worked in the American Golf retail shop. So even though we didn't, we weren't actually colleagues, we worked under the same roof. 
Mm-hmm. And I even remember back then, he, he was just so fascinated about the, the latest iPhone I had. We had like we had like a, a connection there. He was fascinated that I was doing all this YouTube stuff. He was asking me loads of questions. So I always kind of knew he was kind of really interested. Then he went working for Nike and actually ended up getting made redundant. And he reached out to me saying, you know, do you know of any jobs coming available? And I said, well, actually, it's funny you say that. <laughs> I could do with it. I could do with a guy. I could do with. I could do with someone like you to to help me. You know, I, I need assistance. I need help. Like this is getting too much for me sometimes. Um, and then what we did then is we proper just sat down and went right. What content works? Like what actually works? Not what not what do we think works? Not what do we love? You know, making as such. What works? What are those videos that people cannot not watch? Mm. Like, even if they don't like you, they have to watch it. Yeah. Right. Like, because I know, I know there's loads of people that don't like me. I get it. But as long as I can make a great video that they still enjoy the Mm -hmm. video, they might hate me and that's fine. As long as they still enjoy the video, then great. So once we started to realize that, we could really start to kind of, uh, diversify what we made instead of making 10 different strands of content we mm. kind of whittled it down to three or four different strands of content but we tried to do them really really well and we just thought differently like we didn't we didn't just go out and unlike everything in in beforehand i didn't just flick on the camera and go oh, i don't really know what i'm going to say today mm-hmm, right. okay i'll just wing it i'll just wing it i'll just chat we started to put a bit more thought into it and we started to put a little bit more planning into it. And we started to think about, you know, we'd sit down and actually brainstorm ideas, something I've never done mm-hmm. before, before that kind of stage, I'd never done that. It was just, what should I shoot today? That seems like a good idea. Let's go. Well, now we started to sit down and go, oh yeah, I like that idea. What about if we did this? What about if we added that element? What about if we made it this length? What about if we did this as the thumbnail or that as the title or whatever it may be? And we just looked at it, to be honest with you, like a business. Yeah. Like it, it was it was less of a hobby anymore and it was a business. I was taking well, on point, staff. Like, yeah, it sounds like you're building quite a team around you at this point. Yeah, but the, the, the editors, yeah, at that point, probably when I saw you... 2019 i only had two members of staff at the time so gotcha. tim my videographer and, and guy guy my right hand man that was at that very moment in time oh i'm a commercial da- uh, manager uh but he's not kind of day-to-day he's like he's more uh when i need him mm-hmm. so um it, it was it, it was then we were starting to think well what what do we need to do like where do we need to be what's the goals what's the ambitions and just just structured it like a business like yeah. an operational big boy business <laughs> um so Rick, when when you and guy are sitting in a room talking content i mean are there other youtubers that you guys look to other golf youtubers other youtubers outside of golf that you and guys say i like what they're doing and and who are those creators it a hundred percent sometimes it's golf uh, we watch a lot of golf youtube mm-hmm. i think sometimes golf youtubers say they don't watch other golf youtubers which if they're not you you are missing a massive trick. I think some people act like cool and go, I don't I don't watch any other golf YouTubers. I'm thinking, are you for real? I watch everybody. Yeah. Everybody. I know what everybody's doing on their channels because th- it's so important. Yeah. I want to know what amazing cameras you're using or what shot traces you're doing or that cool um drone FPV drone one that you did. 
I want to know everything of everything. I want to know who shot it, where did you shoot it, what was the numbers. I'm going to check it in a week to see how successful it was. Because if it's successful, guess what? That's my next video. So so I think some people are a bit timid or scared or or have this kind of stigma that, you know, I don't copy anyone. Well, that's wrong. Yeah. Personally, if a YouTuber channel isn't copying my content, let's say, I think they're not. That I think they're doing something wrong, personally. <laughs> but yeah. I don't want them to. But if I was setting up, you know, I think that you know, it's not to everyone's style, but it works. Yeah, um, it's funny. We so actually, yeah. we cut a golf ball open a couple months ago, and we just got destroyed. Like, wait till Rick sees this. Wait till Rick sees this. <laughs> and I said, hey, we just got this ball. We wanted. <laughs> but that, to cut that's it. it. But that, but that, but that's the that's the noise. That's the bits you've got to you've got to look past and go. Well, was it was it an in, was it an important part of this video? Did it work? Was it something that we've seen success elsewhere? And obviously, there's always going to be little sound bites or trademarks that creators have, have established as their own, let's say. Mm-hmm. But there's other things that everyone else can do. Um, so yeah, I watch a lot of a lot of YouTube, golf YouTube. Um, what do you think of Garrett and Good? I watch a lot of YouTube. Love them. What do you think? Of, what do you think of Garrett Killing and Good? Good. Killing it, right? Yeah, their growth yeah. has L- been ridiculous. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, killing it. it I, I I watch with great interest, mm-hmm. um, and I watch what works for them, and I've seen areas that don't work for them as well, which I can't wait to collaborate with them because I'd love to share those bits of information because um, I, I've got – I obviously, when they set up the Bro 5 thing with Brody, I thought to myself, mm, this, this has got potential, but obviously that crumbled and didn't kind of – come come to fruition i look at this and go i don't want to see that happen with this this good good it seemed they seem like a much tighter knit group of of individuals right. so yeah they kill, they're absolutely killing it i love what they're doing they bring it and and again i think some golf creators can get jealous of like other successful golf creators but every successful golf creator is bringing more viewers to the channel to the to the youtube yes and so and i i, I don't even... see now Likewise, I would argue they bring more views to your channel through suggested videos. You know, oh, that's what I'm saying. Hundred percent. Somebody does a great video; it lifts every golf channel's video. And and I think that's what you said there. Yeah. Like, really stands out of just saying, like, I can't wait to see him so that I can share information and talk and pick his brain. I Is think- that collab in the works, by the way? It's been in the works for like three years. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> just with just with travel, travel and stuff, but. Um, well, I was, we were supposed to be collaborating in January because I was supposed to go out to Vegas, but I got cancelled. I was debating going to Dubai last week when they were in Dubai, just with Garrett, but then it wasn't the full good, good lot, and I want to kind of do it with the full good, good, good yeah. lads. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, and then, you know, it, it even stems back to why I, why I ended up doing the YouTube Golf Day. Yeah. Like, I wanted to do YouTube Golf Day because I honestly believe, like, rising tides rise together. Yeah. yeah. Like, if if all these YouTube channels are killing it, I obviously want to be number one. That's just my competitive ed- edge and my, my nature, but it'll only drive me further forward. It's only drove driven me further forward. Seeing good, good doing it. Cause I'm like, nobody's catching me. I'm going to make my content even better Right. as much as I can still respect what they're doing. It, it's right. not, a, it's not a, um, it's not a, 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 what's the right word? It's not a kind of a jealousy standpoint. I'm looking at them going, okay, come and catch me, boys, because I'm going to keep pushing harder. It's a motivator. That's what that's what I'm saying. It's like a motivator, which is great. And um, 
And then other creators I watch, I talked about Marcus Brownlee. I watch loads of Marcus Brownlee. I watch uh, like even like Dude Perfect, Casey Neistat, the the usuals that we've probably all watched as as fans. You know, I'm trying to think who's on my subscriber list at the moment. Let me give you a rundown of in my favorite subscribers. Um, da, 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 da. Like Unbox Therapy, I love Car Wow is a car company over here. Um, Nelk Boys, yeah. <laughs> which again, I'm never going to make content like the Nelk Boys, but I can watch their video and go, Oh, I quite like what they did there. That transition exactly. was quite cool. And then, mm. and I'll, and I'll timestamp it and send it to my editors and go, I love this. Can we do this next time? Right. Um, I watch like loads of like, um, loads of shorts at the moment. I watch, uh, low, I'm subscribed to loads of YouTube information channels that channels that are giving advice and information about YouTube because. I don't know everything at all and on a platform that's forever changing i need to keep up to date with what's current what's working what are the trends what are people seeing mm -hmm. what's a good click-through rate what's a good retention time what's what's right. a good um kind of a b testing in thumbnails i need to know all of that or at least us as a team collectively need to know all that all of that right i think that's just it it's like you said earlier that you don't want to and, and what i was saying before is like Sticking your head in the sand as a YouTuber or a content creator, it just, the long game, it just doesn't seem to work. Some people feel like they're onto something and they want to protect it. But the reality is, still going back to that thing you said earlier about it being very raw, we're learning, everybody's learning. You have to be able to, as you said, use that tide and work together. And I, I like what you said earlier, saying you can't wait to collab with, let's say, a guy like Garrett so that you can share information and talk. I, I think a lot of people from the outside looking in, they think it's a very competitive thing and they think these guys must not share much or talk much. But one thing that I've always valued and always appreciated that you've always been so open to helping. I mean, I, when we first did YouTube Golf Day, we only had 10,000 subscribers and you welcomed us aboard. And I remember when we were debating what we were going to do with our own podcast on YouTube because we've been done doing our podcast for years and years and years but it was an audio only platform started experimenting with it with our main channel and just found it was killing our channel it was so different than the rest of our content this long form and remember messaging you and saying hey Rick what do you think should I move it on another channel and just it's something that I value deeply that you take the time as the biggest golf YouTuber to get back to me with, with your thoughts and your true and honest thoughts and saying, hey, you know, and, and we, we waited out and you talked a little bit about it. But um, I just think that that's something that helps everyone. And I think it's it helps grow golf YouTube, which ultimately will grow the game. So very appreciative of it. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. It's only because I like you. I don't do it for everyone. Nelson, <laughs> you <laughs> yeah, your DMs that, are going to blow that, up with people wanting advice. But yeah. yeah. Well, I'm, I'm still very selective, but no, I mean, one of my favorite bit i didn't know how the youtube golf day was going to go and i'd love to do another one soon i'm thinking potentially even this year but there's an exclusive for you and um <laughs> but like i loved i remember i remember that day just sitting around having a few drinks after we played or even during the day and going how mad is that like such a channel is talking to such a channel that person's talking to that person oh i thought those two hated each other but now they're hugging and having a beer and i'm thinking this is amazing but going back to your point i still think we're hyper uh, competitive yeah. and i don't think competitive's bad like going back to that story when i talked about being the pros um, when i wanted to be number one on the pros i was hyper competitive like it's all i ever thought about i still like the guys i didn't mm -hmm. hate the people who i was trying to compete against it was almost my own competitiveness that was like 
I just want to beat you. I can still like you and I still respect you, but I just I just want to beat you. I want to be yeah. number one. <laughs> like, yeah. And I think that's similar to, to golf YouTube or any YouTube. Like, you should be competitive. You should be like driven and, and doesn't mean you hate have to hate everyone else. It's your own drive. And sometimes competitiveness can sometimes manifest or turn to the outside public into like jealousy or hate, mm. but I don't think it is. Yeah, and I think it, 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 it's funny. It even mirrors this game in general, how we can be so competitive when we're out there playing golf, but we're all good friends. Or you see like the PGA Tour. Those guys are all good friends, but it doesn't erase that competitiveness. They want to beat each other on Sunday. But a after that, you know, the last putt is dropped, they're out there, you know, traveling together and, and they're friends. So I think it's, it's, a, it's a good analogy yeah, exactly. the two. Um, we want to talk about the future of the channel a little bit, but first, uh, we just got to do a, a quick uh, ad break. Hey guys, this episode is sponsored by Titleist. We all have different ability levels and goals, but one thing we share is that desire to bring our best every single time that we tee it up. And it all starts with choosing a golf ball that you can trust. So the Titleist Pro V1 is the best combination of speed, spin, and feel in the game. And the Pro V1X gives you a higher flight and a firmer feel. Both deliver that long distance, consistent flight, and soft feel. All important, drop and stop, greenside control. We love it when we can control that ball around the greens. Give us a little bit of a shorter putt. You know exactly what I'm talking mm -hmm. about. So whether you're Justin Thomas, Jordan Spieth, or Nelly Korda competing at the game's highest levels or simply striving to be the best you can be, tee up a Pro V1, Pro V1X, and always bring your best. Find out more about the Pro V1 lineup at Titleist.com. And don't forget to bring some heat to your game this year with the new FootJoy Fuel Golf Shoes. These shoes look awesome. In fact, we unboxed them on last week's episode of the podcast. I mean, they deliver a sneaker-like fit and feel packed full of golf-specific innovation for men, women, and even juniors. I mean, it features FootJoy's latest and lightest midsole called the Stratolite. Sounds light, right? And that delivers incredible comfort while still providing that terrific traction that we desire and that support that we need through the golf swing. So with all these vibrant colors, which I'm loving, I love that we've got mm. that orange and blue, the latest innovation, that athletic look and feel, the foot joy fuel appeals to players of all levels of the game. Whether the swing type, uh, whatever it is, whether you're wearing shorts, skorts even, uh, if you're playing nine, or if you're even playing 36, which we will be playing a bunch of next week in Tampa. So checking them out for yourself. Go see the Foot Joy Fuel. They've been engineered to bring heat to your game. Learn more at footjoy.com. Now, back to the interview with Rick. All right, we're back here with Rick Shields. Rick, want to talk about the Bryson interview. Um, I enjoyed it. I mean, it was a great piece of content. Like I said to you, I messaged you. It got me through shoveling snow. I threw the AirPods in. It was a great listen. Uh, first off, how, I mean, that was, did that take a while to put that one together? Believe it or not, no. It was okay. really, really easy. Wow. That's great. <laughs> it was really easy. Um, Go ahead. First off, can I just negotiate my terms on that ad read? I'm on. Yeah. I'm on fifty percent, right? Yeah, you got fifty percent. Just let us know where to send it. We can do PayPal. Great. Thank you. Appreciate that. <laughs> we were just uh, going to have messing. you do the read. Um, Am I doing that? <laughs> okay. <laughs> then we can negotiate a higher um, rate. Yeah. Right. There you go. Yeah. There yeah. you go. There you go. Um. No, you know what? It was it was weirdly easy. So, um, we, obviously, we've we've been doing the podcast now not as long as you guys. We've I think we're up to 115 episodes now. So, I must admit, a lot of the episodes we have mentioned Bryson. 
he's a big talking point, as you know. Like mm. he comes up in topics, whether it's about his distance, his controversy, or whatever. We've mentioned him a number of times, um, and obviously tag, tagged him and clipped him, and normally does pretty good on views and listens. Mm-hmm. So, so we'd re- we'd realised um, not too long ago that he actually followed the rick shields golf show podcast instagram uh which is like a one of my second account like a verified account with like 40 or thousand followers and um he he just followed it randomly out the blue so we didn't do anything we didn't act on it for ages we thought it might have been a mistake or you know whatever so about Maybe a week before we actually did the podcast with Bryson. That's how close this is. Guy, who's obviously on the podcast, who, man- who manages the Rachel's Golf Show podcast Instagram. Well, Saturday night, he'd had a few drinks. He decides to uh, he decides to slide into Bryson's DMs, and just very nicely, you know, hey Bryson, you know, thanks for following the page. We'd love you love to get you on the podcast sometime. This was Saturday. Okay. He said he returned. Yeah, not a problem. How how does Tuesday sound? <laughs> <laughs> That's great. So he got that liquid courage. He reached out and it worked. Correct. Now, to be honest, we actually had to rearrange that Tuesday because it didn't quite work out time-wise. We actually went a week later. But literally from, from Saturday night to the following week, locked in, loaded, did the podcast. So... I'd love to say it was dead complicated. It wasn't, there was nothing more than that. Um, a few people weird because it was around about the Cobra driver launch embargo, but it was nothing to do with Cobra. It just, just coincidentally happened like that. We just we spoke nothing about the real kind of driver or anything. Um, and then to be honest, since I've actually been brave enough to send a few more DMS and actually locked in two or three f- more absolute superstars. Oh, nice. So if you don't actually don't get right, how, how did you get me on the podcast? You just asked me on on Instagram, you know. Is it right? The same um, I just slid in. You have to ask, right? That's what I mean. So, so that, that's it. I think. I think when, you know, certainly if it's a, I'd like to think he respects the channel, and mm. after speaking to him, he really does. He watches the videos, and he he kind of he's a fan of the YouTube channel as well. And obviously, he's got his own YouTube yes, channel, so right. he has something to plug a little bit as well. Right. Um. <clears throat> so yeah, I think I think it was just mutual respect. I liked what he did. He liked what we did. And uh, yeah, that easy. And it, it yeah. came across nicely. It was great to see the real side of Bryson. I mean, it really was. And if you haven't listened to it, guys, go back and check out the interview. Like I said, it's a quick listen because it was just well-structured. The questions were great. I, I had no idea he's never stepped foot on the old course. I mean, here's a guy who's, you know, yeah. in the top 10 in the world and he's never stepped foot on a course that a couple of schmoes have played here. So uh, <laughs> it's super cool to see that. Was there anything in that interview, Rick, that and, really and he's surprised only had, you? He's only had one hole in... The fact he's only had one hole yeah. in one. There you go. I know. How incredible was that? You would think a guy like Bryson who's Crazy. so you know, mathematical would, would have way more. Well, and, and and I've heard him speak recently. He's even he's even become really a part of this YouTube community with, with as you said, his own channel. Yep. But uh, he he's a guy who likes he's very analytical. He likes to dive into the analytics. I think uh, he's hooked on that YouTube, uh, that whole yep. thing. And, and it's great to see him yep. helping to, to, to lift... I guess we would say the whole appearance and, and the whole visibility of golf YouTube by collaborating and, and, and appearing on other channels. So in that way, I think it's good for the game. But so you, you mentioned, I'm sure you, you can't tell us now and that's okay with what some of these big guests are going to be, but is there, is there a guest that you're really dying to get on the show? It's not, 
obvious. It's, obvious. it's, it's the obvious, obvious one. Okay. It's Tiger. It's obvious. Not me. Yeah. Oh no, no, Patrick Huntley. <laughs> there it is <laughs> i'm joking right. that, that's my that's my uh sarcastic english right. humor not coming across there mm. uh, no <laughs> because i would I, like patrick on. Yeah. yeah of course that's why it's <laughs> i like, would like yeah. patrick on. right we'd all we'd all love to have patrick but on, um yeah. i don't know why i don't know why i thought of him randomly <laughs> but yeah no obviously on, tiger yeah. would tiger yeah. tiger Sorry. would tiger would be the number one um and you know what i've got a potential in road um i might have to just send the message you know it's just I'm not directly to tiger but i don't think he checks his own dms but you know i don't I, who knows you know if, if suddenly we manage to get secure kind of four or five of the big biggest names in golf mm-hmm. and it it gets that kind of respect and that mm-hmm. and that um what's the right word kind of stamp of approval yeah you never know you never know what doors what doors open, and I like I love podcasts. I love that's why I obviously agreed to this one as well. Like you can just sit down for an hour and hour and whatever, twenty minutes, thirty minutes, and just go through so much stuff. Yeah, um, right. I think I'd be terrified with Tiger, and I, I'd, I'd worry about what questions to ask him because I feel like everything in the world has been asked to him. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, I'd love to know if he watches YouTube. I'd right. love to know what his favorite YouTube channels are. Absolutely. Like. I'd love to know. I'd lo- I, there's still so much more I'd love to know. Well, we're going to be rooting for you to get that interview because I, I'd love to hear it. You, I'm sure you'd love to talk to him. I'd love to, I'd love to listen in on that one. Um, in a second, we're going to do our, our little rapid fire segment before we let you go. But the other question I have for you, obviously, we've been talking so much about YouTube here. You've had some experience in broadcast television, golf channel, things that you've done in the past. Future plans. Is there any uh, aspiration to... Um, any of these other platforms? Are we going to see a, a Netflix series from from Rick Shields? Is there going to be something else, or is it you're just laser focused on YouTube now? No, I'd I'd, I'd never say no. Uh, so if the opportunity came up and it was it was a good opportunity, as much as I absolutely love YouTube and YouTube's my home and it's my main platform, I'm also very kind of um switched on in the fact that i've grown a, a pretty big facebook following with like over a million followers on there we've just nearly up to six hundred thousand on instagram i dabble in tiktok it's not really my thing but i kind of i've got a platform i've got a presence on there mm-hmm. obviously things like the podcast not only the audio podcast but the visual podcast so i've, I've always liked to try and spread the content not as thinly as possible, make sure it hits all of these main platforms. And if tomorrow another social media platform that's going huge pops up, I'll be one of the first ones on there for sure because you just never know where these pod- where these platforms are going to go. Mm. Um, and there's been a lot of times where I've, I've invested time and energy into p- platforms such as things like Snapchat. And it's, in my opinion, it's kind of died as a mm-hmm. social media platform, you know, um, but at least I gave it a go and at least I learned something for, from it. And I think, you know, taking a lot of information from people like Gary V, Gary Vaynerchuk, like this idea that obviously all these platforms come out and you've, you've got to, you've got to be on them. You, you can't miss out. Right. So, so YouTube is there, obviously super, super high. It's the pillar of the business. Um, but other things that I, I still think there's ridiculous amounts of opportunities elsewhere that doesn't detract from youtube that's different projects that i'd love to get involved in that have you know more goals and ambitions of me as a kind of a legacy piece and things that i've always wanted to try and accomplish in in my kind of life really so there's the bigger picture things but also like there's 65 million golfers in the world Hmm. 
That's yeah. a big number. Yeah, it yeah. is. I've only got two, I've only got two million subscribers, so I don't honestly, 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 right now I don't think we've even scratched the surface. Mm-hmm. I honestly don't think we have. Like you know, I honestly think. Well, I, I normally get about 11, 11 to fifteen million views a month on on YouTube. I, why can't that be fifty million a month? Right. Like, there's enough people, there's enough golfers in the world that want to get better, that want to learn, that want to watch fun, entertaining golf videos, that want to check out the latest equipment or pick up a quick tip here, there, or there, or watch me play golf with Tommy Fleetwood or Bryson DeChambeau or Tiger Woods or whatever. So I think there's lots of huge opportunities still, and I still love it more than that more than i did on day one i still love it um because it, it's something that I, I get to call a job every day like it's a job yeah it doesn't feel like a job right, i'm yeah. sure you guys are probably the same like it doesn't mm-hmm. doesn't feel like a job it feels like I, I get to put my even though i'm not a golf professional i.e playing on tour right every day I, I get to put my golf shoes on i get to hit golf clubs i get to hit go on a beautiful golf course and i get to film it and i think something that I think I'm only going to appreciate in another 10, 20 years. I've got all this evidence of this. Yeah. Like I've got hours and hours and hours of footage of me doing all these things. Yeah. Like I can't wait till when I'm older and I can sit, sit down and retired and smoking a big fat cigar somewhere, yeah. St. Andrews, mm-hmm. being able to sit there and watch all these amazing old videos that I've done or, you know, Oh God, I remember that. Or, cringe at other videos that i don't like anymore or sh- or show the grandchildren these videos right. or whatever it may be or sh- obviously show my own kids yeah i was just gonna say i was gonna go there the kids because you have kids and just thinking like you can show them visibly i mean we our experience yeah. has been similar we we feel incredibly honored and fortunate i think we say it every single time when we step onto a golf course to film we're like i can't believe that you know this is what we get to do it's just incredible. And and then having that documented, like the first and only time we played the old course, we've got that filmed. And even if no one else had ever yep. watched it, we've got it for ourselves to, to look back on. So I think that's a that's a huge part. Yeah. The, the only downside of that is it also captures your bad shots. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> Which <laughs> it does. But we, we managed to laugh those off pretty well. Yeah. <laughs> We've, we've, we've yeah, resigned ourselves to that. That's yeah, for course. sure. People expect them at this point. Um, all right. Before we do this Bank of the Shanket segment, I got one more question. This is the question that when we said we were having you on the podcast and mentioned it in some of our community, uh, it kept coming up because a lot of our, our viewership and listenership is here in the States. And they're all wondering, when are you going to be uh, back over here in the States, uh, maybe doing some content? Yeah. Well, great question. What What's crazy is honestly about four or five years ago i felt like i was there every other month mm-hmm. like i was there so often if it wasn't the orlando golf show if it wasn't um going over to vegas and doing some content if it wasn't for the golf channel stuff that i did um yeah i was over there so often but then obviously i've got kids i've got a young family mm-hmm. um you know my wife even texts me now saying are you picking up are you picking up the girls from gymnastics tonight mm-hmm. and i don't i don't want i don't want to miss out on that like i love that i love i love taking my kids to school when i can which is most mornings because i'm fairly flexible obviously with my own time i get to see them at the weekends i've I've got to see them grow like my eldest daughter's seven my, my middle daughter's five and my little boy's three and I've, I've got to see him grow and um i'm really thankful for that and i think that was more of a decision of i could have traveled 
obviously the pandemic would have would have affected that but i could have traveled a lot more than i have done mm. like manchester isn't the best place in the world to make golf content believe it or not mm-hmm. <laughs> but i take i've taken the conscious decision to go i can still make golf content here and people still watch it and as much as it's a bit colder than it would be in la and on a beautiful golf course I, I, I'd rather be at home and I can see my kids and I can put them to bed and I can take them to school. So that's kind of why I've not traveled as much just, just cause that's something I've really been aware of, but give you a little exclusive. Sure. I think there are f- at least three, if not four times I'll be coming over to the States this year. Nice. People okay. will be excited to hear that. That's yep. for sure. Mm-hmm. This year. <laughs> that's great ter- that's terrific hey and let's listen i think what you said there is so important it's another reason why youtube is such an amazing thing because in the past before youtube existed if you were creating content television you were very tied to certain places but here now we can have something like arguably one of the biggest youtubers in the world mr beast is is he's settled down in a very rural area of of north carolina and he's able to be where he wants to be and create the content he wants to create and as you said you can be where you want to be and still create it and clearly it's working because as we talked about the channel's been exploding but before we go like i said i gotta gotta do a little rapid fire segment we do here on the show we call it bank it or shank it so basically we're gonna fire something off on you you tell us whether you bank it obviously that's good or shank it no good all right so uh first one it's it's on you know been the big news the hotly debated 46 inch maximum driver uh length rule bank it or shank it shank it there it is how about penalizing golfers for slow play Mm. yeah i'm gonna it's only the only thing i feel like with slow play is sometimes the group gets penalized, not the individual golfer. Mm-hmm. So if it, if if it's the individual golfer, bank it. Mm-hmm. If it's the group, then that that's harder. But for me, if you can if you can figure out who the hell it is in the group that's being slow, absolutely penalize them. There you go. There go is. after him. All right, we mentioned him before. Tiger Woods does he win again on the PGA Tour? Bank it or shank it? Bank. Bank, 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 bank. We always say it. Never bet against Tiger Woods. Never, never. Victor Hovland, world number one this year. Bank. Mm. He's certainly hot. He's playing hot right now. That's for sure. Me too. I think so too. (laughs) We might, we might be, uh, we might be, we might be hearing from him very soon. Uh (laughs) Ah, wink, wink, wink. Okay, you can ask him directly. All right, (laughs) bank it or shank it. Brooks Kepka's new look, the haircut. Oh, Shank. I'm not. Yeah. <laughs> that one's certainly been polarizing. Yeah. Or right, we got yeah. two more, Rick. Uh, R- Rory wins the Masters eventually. Oh, bank. Eventually, bank. Yeah. Eventually. There we go. I had to throw that eventually in there. I'd, lo- I'd love to see him get that green jacket eventually. All right. All right. Last one. I'm, I'm even going to say, I'm even going to say this year, bank. There you go. The 2022 bank. Love it. Okay. Last one. Rick Shields. Diamond play button, 10 million subscribers. Is it going to happen? Bank it or shank it? Bank every there day. Every day, I, there it is. If you, if you learn anything from me, I back myself. Yeah, <laughs> and uh, and, if, and, if, and if, if there's any YouTubers catching, catching me, it'll only get me there quicker. 
So, <laughs> like, if good, good, get 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 close, we're going to get there quicker. That's all good. <laughs> That's awesome. All right, Rick, we're going to leave it there. Uh, dude, thanks so much for coming on the show. We appreciate you taking the time out. Uh, we learned a lot about the journey that we didn't know. So we're glad you kind of opened up that vault to us. Uh, congrats on the $2 million, man. We can't wait to see 10 Thank you. Appreciate it. Thanks for having me and uh, keep up the great work. You're both killing it as well. I just need a golf studio like you guys now. I'm very jealous of that, but one day. <laughs> I'll tell you what, when you do make that trip to the States, if it comes anywhere near New Jersey, make sure this is one of your stops, all right? <laughs> yeah. What about what about if what about if kind of Rick Shields becomes the umbrella company for Golficity? Oh, now we're talking. We'll take it over and you you can come under the come under the Rick Shields media brand. Mm. Well, we're ready to talk. We're ready to talk. <laughs> <laughs> all right, Rick, it's been great having Rick, you. We'll thanks, talk, we'll catch right, up guys. with you soon. All thanks right. so much. You got it. See you soon. All right, Mike, that's one of those things. I feel like uh, I could have just talked to Rick all day. Yeah. I mean, it's just it's so interesting sharing and finding out about that whole journey and, and how passionate he's been about YouTube and uh, just what it's done, not only for him, but for the game of mm -hmm. golf. Um, but what I'll keep coming back to is that he's he's genuinely such a just a terrific guy. He's I, I like what he said about his desire to to collaborate with help other youtubers mm -hmm. uh you know it, it he he's he's very adept in understanding and, and and talking about that line between being competitive and you know he wants to be the best he does and i think the big part I of the reason why yeah. he is the biggest golf youtuber is because of that desire and that drive but it never comes at the cost of cutting others down or mm. or you know you could tell he's a person who he wishes his if you want to call it competitors competing channels well because in a way it motivates him and drives him to do more and do better and i think as all viewers and subscribers of his channel i think we're all we all benefit from it we definitely do because his content just keeps getting better it does he keeps leveling up he stays consistent with growing it with production quality and you know he's a joy to watch and you know he's got two millions of subs for a reason so. but it, it's also it's a lesson in, in not only in golf but also in life and just saying like if you f if you find maybe there's a different path or mm -hmm. if there's something like that 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 is working for you or, or or a different way of approaching something like kind of dig in on it because you know when he did start way back you know talking about that golf lessons nobody was doing what he right. was doing and um he had a kind of a feel for it and he went in and he did it and it it, it worked you know it, the, it took a little time as yeah. he said it wasn't paying off right away it took a little bit of guts to do that investment that he did in the beginning hiring the of videographer course. and stuff like that but when those lessons started rolling in and you heard these people were flying across the you know the pond to come get a lesson from him right uh, the I, gamble paid off. It did pay off. And I'm still you know, laughing about the, 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 the early Twitter days of the hashtag, if they don't answer. Right. But uh, what I liked so much about that story is it showed from the very beginning, he was having fun doing what he's doing because this wasn't some sort of hack or tactic mm. to try to grow his Twitter. He was just a guy who wanted to give golf lessons, had yeah. some opportunity at the time because he wasn't that busy. He was a young guy. Mm -hmm. And immediately right off the bat the first thing he starts doing is giving value you know people were asking questions that were going unanswered and he felt there's there's an opportunity for him to step in do what he likes to do teach golf and help people and it's no wonder why he's got such a, a strong passionate community around him no doubt and no you, doubt. you know you start that way and, and that's exactly how you build a community that's it. folks anyway 
we had a lot of fun having Rick on the, on the show. Um, you can get to the show notes of everything we talked about. We'll link to, if you, if you haven't already discovered Rick's YouTube channel somehow, we of course will link to that. Um, I'd love to see him get to that 10 million number and get that, that diamond play button because I th- truly think he deserves it. But you can get to that in the show notes. We can go to golficity.com slash episode 414 or as always in the Golficity app. Appreciate everybody uh, following along and we'll see everybody again next week. 